The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. PFTOT, the program that we do after PFT Live goes off the air things we either didn't get to or would like to talk more about. We spent a lot of time talking about the draft. We didn't spend much time talking about the guys who weren't drafted. Plenty of guys not drafted who end up signing as undrafted free agents because there's only seven rounds in the draft. But to not be drafted when you are one of the early entries, and there were 144 early entries this year, 49 of them undrafted. That calculation came out yesterday courtesy of The Athletic. Chris, it, it's just a shame now that these guys who weren't drafted now, plenty of them will be signed and they'll have a chance to compete and earn a roster spot and continue their NFL careers or their football careers. But I wish there was a way that guys who enter this process and aren't drafted can turn around and go back to school and continue to use up their eligibility, maybe enhance their standing for a future draft. Yeah, I, I wish there was too. And I mean, I really think, I, I mean, I wish that, you know, the NCAA and the NFL would get together a little bit and brainstorm on this a little to how uh, they can maybe fix this situation. Because, you know, again, yes, I know people are going to sit out there and blame and go, well, these guys, they made their own bed. They didn't have to go out early. Okay. You know, that's easy to say when you're sitting up above and, you know, 30,000 feet above evaluating. A lot of these kids come from nothing, have nothing, have had no money. They have to make these decisions sometimes uh, to further their life. And sometimes they are ill-advised, plain and simple, a lot like most 20 and 21-year-old people are. You know, again, I'd like to, you know, question some of the people out there in the world who are 40 years old now and go, let me hold you accountable for everything you did in 20 or 21 and let me redictate how your life went. And yes, there needs to be something done here i don't know what how it can be done mike you know is there a point in the process right after the combine where maybe teams are now into the draft evaluation where they could tell certain guys hey you know hey you 20 30 guys there's no way you're getting drafted before round four you know maybe you need to go back to school i don't know what it is i'm just spitballing things out there right now but i certainly wish they could fix it well and i i think and, and let me be skeptical slash cynical about this. I think the reason they don't give the college football player a pathway back if he's not drafted is that if you had that safe harbor, yeah. more guys would roll the dice because there's no downside. They force these guys into that all-in play. And, hey, oh, 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 you're going to go try the NFL. Oh, you can't come back. Make sure you understand if you give it a shot – you don't have the ability to come back and play. And I think that's part of the reason why college football wants it that way. Because it's it's stupid. The guy isn't getting paid to play football, so he should be able to come back and not get paid to play football. This whole idea that they're amateur athletes, that got blown up 30 years ago. Right. Let's go ahead and let these guys, if they don't get drafted or if they don't like where they were drafted. Now, NFL teams wouldn't like that, Chris. You use a fifth-round pick on a guy, and he's like, eh, no, I'll just go back to college football for a year, and you've lost your fifth-round pick. So, you know, it would not be an easy thing to fix. No, it's not. And maybe it would, it would only apply to guys who weren't drafted at all. 
but I, I just think it's not fair to these guys to not give them a chance to continue their college football careers. But the bottom line is they want to put these guys in a position where they are making that all-in decision because this is about scaring next year's class of early entries into staying put. They don't care about these guys who didn't get drafted. They care about using that as a way to get the guys next year to say, okay, I'll stay in school. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And even adding to the complications of this. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about it from the college uh, teams aspect as well, where, yeah, they're doing spring football. They're moved on. You know, our, our safety went on, went out to be an NFL draft participant we've moved on to another guy and had a few practices and now a guy realizes he's not going to get drafted he comes back into the fold so I know it's very difficult I guess it's just I hate to see 20 and 21 year old men or young kids is what they are now that I'm 38 uh, have their whole life dictated by this one decision that that's where I kind of find it a shame yeah because they do sometimes get bad information and they do sometimes get money that induces them to sign with an agent whether it's a marketing guarantee or whatever the case may be and it's always disappointing if you're not drafted but as we talked about during the show for some of these guys it's better to be undrafted than to go in round seven maybe even round six because you can pick your next spot you don't get buried on a depth chart you have a chance to make it on a roster somewhere and climb from 90 to 53 and get good coaching from a staff that that you think is in better position to help you get the most out of your career. So either way, guys like Tyree Jackson gave up a year of eligibility at Buffalo, now signed with the Buffalo Bills. And one last point before we move on. There's no guarantee that that extra year of school is going to make a guy any better. We always assume that if a guy goes back for another year of college football, he's somehow going to transform into a better prospect. Maybe you're as good as you're ever going to be. No, right? There's some truth to that. I mean, Jared Stidham, Drew Locke, they had a chance to be first rounders if they came out two years ago, but then their teams weren't good. And here they are. They fell in the draft. So your point's very valid there as well. All right, there was a report from Albert Breer of SI.com on Saturday that the Vikings were expecting to get calls from other teams about the possibility of trading tight end Kyle Rudolph, cornerback Xavier Rhodes, cornerback Trey Waynes. Now, look, I I know it's bad form to speculate on sourcing, but uh, unless Breer has different sources with all the different teams that we're thinking about calling, this is the Vikings putting this out there in the hopes to induce someone to call. And the bottom line is, no one called about any of these guys. But I think these are three guys we need to be keeping an eye on because maybe at some point the Vikings pick up the phone and start the process of trying to shop Rudolph, Rhodes, and or Waynes. Yeah, no, I, I think I think certainly that is something to keep our eye on. I mean, hey, shots were fired at the NFL. Was that the NFL Combine and the owners meeting with Mike Zimmer just talking a little bit about Xavier Rhodes needs to play better and he's got to earn this contract. So we knew there was some unhappiness there uh, right off the bat and he's expecting more you know I don't expect Xavier Rhodes to be uh, traded I, I don't think so especially with the amount of money he's making at this point and last year was not a great look for him but guys like Kyle Rudolph certainly I think you can look at that and go "Ooh, okay if they got into camp here and thought okay our tight end position our tight end room is pretty solid uh, if there's a team like New England who calls and maybe evaluates their roster and goes you know what we need another tight end that's certainly, uh, I think, something to keep its eye, your eye on. And, and Trey Waynes as well, who was a first-round corner, who was a good player, Mike, but hasn't quite lived up to where he got drafted and has had issues with pass interference. As you know, you watch them a lot. So, um, you know, I, I understand the conversation of trade around all three of them.
the thing about Rhodes and Waynes, their contracts, their salaries for 2019 are fully guaranteed. So they're going to be on the team unless somebody offers a trade that the Vikings are happy with. And it may not take much to make the Vikings happy since they'd be unloading that guaranteed salary. For Rudolph, last year of his contract, and that puts him in that formula where maybe in October the Patriots decide to make that move because then they they acquire him in trade. He leaves in free agency. Right. They pick up the compensatory draft pick, although he's on the wrong side of 30, so it's not as valuable a pick. We see what the Patriots do at the trade deadline. If the Vikings are struggling or if they're happy with Irv Smith and their other tight ends, Irv Smith, the second-round pick from Alabama that the Vikings picked up, then maybe the Vikings would do that even if they are contenders this year. All right, the Cardinals trying to become contenders. Steve Kime explaining to Peter King why he drafted Kyler Murray first overall. Said Kime, when I closed my eyes and I visualized Kyler Murray running around State Farm Stadium in red and white, for whatever reason, all I saw was fireworks, excitement, a must-see environment where fans have to go and show up and see this thing. Him being the architect was a phenomenal fit for me. I either visualize them or I just have bigger balls than my brains. I'm not scared to make a mistake. That could cost me my career, but at the same time, to be great and to have success, you've got to be willing to take chances, ones that you believe in. And I think that this is important because Kime's job really is riding on this. He, he already is on borrowed time with the Arizona Cardinals. This isn't just, hey, I'm going all in to, 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 with my career. This is a Hail Mary throw to save his career. Because I think anything other than Kyler Murray being a star, he's out anyway. He needs Kyler Murray to come in and be exactly the guy he thinks he's going to be, which made it easier to make that trade. It made it easier a pick. It made it easier to trade Josh Rosen away and give Kyler Murray every opportunity to become a star player because anything short of that and Kime is going to be gone. Well, yeah, and I mean again, his head coach that he just hired too, who went out on a, who he went out on a limb to get, uh, like Kyler Murray too, so he wants to please him. Hey, this, this is a gutsy decision. There's there's make no bones about it. I mean, it really is. And I think you know, really back to something you said from the beginning, Mike. Uh, you know, I think you said at the week of the combine when I kind of came out and said this guy's the number one pick of the draft. He's the number one quarterback for sure is, you know, it's about, gosh, you're going to have a lot of nightmares if the kid goes on, you didn't pick him, and you, the kid goes on to be a superstar. And that's where you got to have a little guts uh, in this decision as well. And I think that's where I would have certainly taken Kyler Murray number one if I was Steve Kime as well. I would have done it because it's one of those things where if you saw some other team draft him two or three years from now and you saw, wow, this kid's running around making magic happen and throwing lasers all over the field, you're going to go, I mean, I knew it. I knew the kid was special. I just chickened out because I drafted a quarterback the year before. You know, why did I let the size thing bother me when nobody ever really hits him anyways? And, you know, I think it was one of those type of things where Kime just realized, you know, the reward was greater than the risk here, and uh, he wanted to do it, and he should feel good about it. I, I, I don't – I see a lot of greatness in Kyler Murray, and I think I will be shocked if it doesn't work out. And one of the things that we both agreed on from the get-go here, it's better to take Kyler Murray and risk him being a bust than to leave him on the board and yep. let someone else take him and watch him become a star. And remember this, the Raiders very well may have taken him at number four, and the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas, and Chris, Las Vegas is exactly 300 miles away from Phoenix. That is too close for comfort. If you're the Cardinals right. and you've got Kyler Murray becoming a superstar, reasonable driving distance away from your team. All of a sudden, you got some Raiders fans in Phoenix that are making the drive up to Nevada 
to see what Kyler Murray can do in that new stadium they're about to open. So I think that's a factor as well. And uh, I think it does make sense that Arizona did what they did. And, and Steve Kime uniquely situated to roll the dice because his career depends on this guy becoming a superstar. All right, Cam Newton has been a superstar for years for the Carolina Panthers. I thought this was funny and, and odd. After the Panthers took Will Greer, West Virginia quarterback, at the bottom of round three, GM Marty Herney felt compelled to say nothing to do with Cam about the decision to take Will Greer. I said Cam's our franchise quarterback. This is about depth and bringing in young guys and developing young guys. This has nothing to do with Cam Newton. Cam is our starting quarterback and franchise quarterback. Why do you feel compelled to say that? And it makes me feel like if you feel compelled to say that, maybe something is going on that we don't know about and they don't want people to figure it out because obviously you're taking a guy in the bottom of round three. You're not expecting him to come in and be your starting quarterback, Cam Newton's your guy. And it makes me think, are they going to quietly try to develop Will Greer in the event that Cam isn't either healthy or he wants so much money when it's time to negotiate a new deal that, that they become the team? And we're all looking for that team, Chris, that's going to say to a franchise quarterback, no, thank you. Maybe they want Will Greer to be their leverage if they are to say to Cam Newton, no, thank you. Well, I mean, they're certainly going to develop them. I know that, you know, and again, I don't read into it. You know, there's a lot of idiots following the, the, the stuff out there. So they make the comment because there's people out there that go, oh, well, this Will Greer. I mean, a lot of people talked about him maybe being in the first round. This might be a replacement for Cam Newton. So they just address it and get it out of the way. You know, you know, again, Will Greer, I don't think is in any, th- any way a threat to Cam Newton. And then, you know, Cam Newton's done enough in my eyes to warrant uh, a Ben Roethlisberger type of contract or something there in the, that category as far as yearly average I mean he was the NFL MVP I know his passer rating and things like that don't always look sexy but it's about more than that with Cam Newton you can't really quantify the value of what he brings to your team and the pressure he puts on defensive coordinators on a weekly basis because of all the different things he does and all the different game plans you have to come with come up with to defend all the different things he does so uh, Cam Newton is still still special he's in another stratosphere uh, from Will Greer in my eyes and really I look at these kind of as like, you know, sometimes I think guys like Will Greer get picked here in this situation ahead of Jared Stidham's and Ryan Finley's because they're in these situations, they're they're better backups than the other guys that might have gone behind them where they go, oh, no, this guy actually has a lot of talent here and I don't want Cam to feel threatened. Let me take a guy that I do feel like is a true backup. I think that goes on in the NFL a lot too. And Greer's had a lot of snaps at West Virginia and played a lot of quarterback to where I do think he fits the mold of being a kind of a ready, ready to go backup here pretty early on in his career. See, now you're just making excuses because my guy was the fifth quarterback off the board, not your guy. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you. It's like it's, I can go back to my own example, my own my own self here. I ended up going in the third round, and a guy like Dave Ragone got drafted in front of me, right? And I had a lot of teams tell me when the fact was done, well, you you know, you were just – we felt like you were too talented to where you were going to threaten the starter and we were going to start problems that way. So I almost fell that way to at times, yes, when there's an established starter. They don't want a guy that comes in and is going to make the team go, whoa, he's as good as our starter. We better watch out. I don't know if that's true here or not. I'm just throwing it out there.
Don't you dare diss Louisville great Dave Ragone. I won't have that. <laughs> I, Dave's an awesome program. dude. It's, but it's a, he's an awesome dude. I know. All good. He he was he was uh, after his football career ended. He did some radio in Louisville for a while. I was on his show every week. He did that until he got into coaching. I think for a couple of years. Yeah, he's uh, a quarterback so, yeah. coach for the Bears now. Yeah, kicking. All right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, he wasn't – that's the thing. So many college quarterbacks are good enough at the college level. You really don't know yes, until you get right. to the NFL level what a guy's going to do. And that brings me to Chad Kelly, a guy that was Mr. Irrelevant. I hate that term, too. The last guy taken in the draft two years ago by the Denver Broncos. As of last year, he had climbed to number two on the depth chart. Ugly incident at a Vaughn Miller-hosted Halloween party where Chad Kelly got kicked out, and then he went into somebody's house and that he doesn't know and sat down on the couch and, and got chased off with the tube of a vacuum cleaner, got arrested for a criminal trespass, pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges back in March. The Colts reportedly are taking a look at him. I'm told the Colts haven't made a decision yet. They may do so this week. There's that Frank Reich, Jim Kelly connection. So maybe a second chance, or as the case may be, a third chance for Chad Kelly. And, you know, Chris, I'm going to say what I say about Tyree Kill and every other guy that gets a, a second, third, fourth chance, whatever. Every time you give someone a second chance, you're taking away someone else's first chance. Even now, with a 90-man offseason roster, there was a quarterback from Central Connecticut that was going to be signed by the Colts, and the Colts said, "Now ah, we're not going to do it. We may be signing Chad Kelly. So that's a jo- Now, that guy landed with Cincinnati, but he took a job that somebody else would have gotten in Cincinnati. There's all, when you give that guy the second chance, whether it's an offseason roster spot or regular season, you're taking away someone else's first chance, typically someone who never got himself into trouble. And that's one of the philosophical issues that the NFL needs to continue to confront. Yeah, it's it's a tough balance. Uh, it's it's hard to argue the points you made there, but the, the, the great equalizer and all that is talent. You know, guys with big-time talent seem to get second and third chances. Yeah, I mean, Chad Kelly had issues at Clemson, had a transfer to Ole Miss, had issues at Ole Miss, made him fall out of the draft, you know, then, of course, becomes Mr. Irrelevant. And then, of course, you talked about the issue with the Denver Broncos. But, man, the way the way Chad Kelly played in the preseason last year and all those things, uh, yeah, they're going to make teams notice because Chad Kelly has NFL starting potential as far as his physical abilities. You know, he's a big guy. He's an incredibly strong arm can make some really eye-popping type of throws that's going to get the attention of GMs. And as you know in life, uh, it's not always what you know, it's who you know. And yeah, I'm sure that the Frank Reich-Jim Kelly combination is certainly not hurting here in this issue. Uh, but but I, I get your point. Yeah, there's guys that uh, are certainly not getting their first chance where we see other guys in the NFL rightly, wrongly, whatever it may be, might be on their third or fourth chance. But I think the big thing there is the talent and uh, talent sometimes lets, lets a lot of things get swept under the rug. I'm a little surprised that it's taken as long as it has for Chad Kelly's name to come up when you consider the talent, when you consider the connection, when you consider he was number two on the depth chart in Denver and had all indications of, of playing at some point last year. Yeah. I mean, if he hadn't been kicked right. off the team, I think at some point they would have rolled the dice on Chad Kelly just I from agree. an excitement standpoint. Yeah. Let's see what this guy can do. And the AAF co-founder, Bill Polian, he, he said that Chad Kelly was the best quarterback in the draft in 2017, and that draft class included Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, for crying out loud, and they didn't show him any type of, of interest. But I just think it's a matter of time before he plays again because you're right, talent is always going to rule the day. 
And uh, it should it be that way? Well, no, but that's kind of the way it is in sports at every level in every type of sport. The better you are, the more leeway you have, the more rules you can break, because ultimately people want to win and they're going to give you that chance to help them win, knowing that if it doesn't work out, well, all right, we'll just get rid of you anyway. Right. Exactly right. I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, go through it. You know, does Randy Moss get away with some of the things he got away with in Minnesota if he's not Randy Moss? Did, you know, Lawrence Taylor get away with some of the things he got away with in New York? Uh, you know, well, yeah, he got away with them because he was, you know, sacking quarterbacks every other time they drop back to pass. So, yeah, that is part of the deal. And uh, just like any profession, too, you know, the, 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 the really great talents, they get favored in their business and their prospective jobs, whatever it may be. Uh, and here, you know, the other thing that I think, you know, again, shows Chris Ballard's gene Chris Ballard's genius here you know and you talked about it I think during the show today yeah uh Jacoby Brissett is this the last year of his contract he's going to be a free agent I think he knows if I sign a Chad Kelly or something like that man and somebody went down late in July or late in August or early season Jacoby Brissett could be a hot commodity as far as a trade commodity and uh that's where I think Chris Ballard's probably thinking about this Chad Kelly signing as well We need to wrap it for now, but Chris, on this point of giving guys second and third chances based on talent and that intoxication that comes from talent, think about this for tomorrow. Read the item that I posted Saturday at PFT. Is it time for the NFL to begin to create a disincentive and take away future draft picks for players who do have that second chance and it blows up? Is that the appropriate way to give teams reason to think twice before they do it. We'll we'll get into that tomorrow on PFT OT. We got plenty more to come all day long. Chris Sims unbuttoned later today. I'll do a PFT PM and uh, we'll have plenty of content at profootballtalk.com all day long. Chris, see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Great job today. Go go see Avengers with your kids tonight. Probably going to wait till the next weekend, but thanks. Good job by you. Uh, Peace out. See ya. Why why are you waiting for the weekend? Why don't you go tonight? Monday night. Nobody will be there. They cut us off. I don't know. See ya. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.